welcome to Nerd Heaven. I'm the Pizza Jedi. Because, you know, it's been a bit cold around here lately. I'm also known as Adam David Collings, the author of Jewel of the Stars. Because I am a nerd. watching the YouTube version of this podcast, you're probably really confused right now. I'm currently wearing an Udi, which is kind of like a blanket with a hood and sleeves, and it's got prints of slices of pizza all over it. So that's what that was all about. So this is episode 66 of the podcast, and today we're talking about the Stargate Universe episode, Pain. The description on Gateworld reads, the ship's crew is plagued by hallucinations that manifest their fears and desires. The episode was written by Carl Binder, it was directed by William Waring, and it first aired on the 14th of May 2010. We begin with a pretty shocking scene. Lieutenant Scott and Lieutenant James are in bed together, doing what people do. They push this scene about as far as they possibly can without showing actual nudity. More than I thought was necessary personally, but anyway. It's clearly on board Destiny, so not a flashback to their time together on Icarus. You can't really tell who these people are until it's all over, so the reveal is surprising. Once they're done, Scott immediately starts to leave, saying, We can't be doing this. But of course, he's just done it. And the dialogue suggests that this isn't the first time. James isn't having any of this. She won't let Scott push her away again. But she won't be his mistress on the side either. Scott has to choose her or Chloe. And then things get violent between the two of them. And it results with Scott lying on the deck with blood flowing from his head. As I said, pretty shocking. Meanwhile, Volker is having door problems. They won't open for him, but they work perfectly for Riley as he stares smugly back at Volker. Greer finds Camille acting very suspiciously in the gate room, and Eli is looking for Scott. At this point, we're all probably suspecting that the show is using a sci-fi trope we've seen before. Everyone on the ship is having nightmares. Except that Matt appears to be missing in Greer's dream, while he lies dead in James's dream. Is there a connection? Is this coincidence? Or is it not a dream? But just put yourself in James's shoes. You've just killed someone, one of your fellow crew, by accident. And then the radio calls asking why you're late. What do you do? You know there's no coming back from what you've done. You know that Scott's death is going to be discovered. It's all but inevitable. But how do you tell your commanding officer? Uh, actually, sir, I just kind of killed Matt? It's a very surreal moment, as she's paralysed by fear, regret and uncertainty. What does she do? She could try to hide the body, of course, make it look like she's not the killer, but that's not going to be easy, especially in her current emotional state, which is pretty psychologically realistic, I'd say. Wonderfully performed. Volker is now trapped in a hallway, surrounded by doors that won't open on all sides, until he hears his name, snaps out of it, and finds himself standing in a much larger room. 
So not quite dreams, more like daydreams, hallucinations. Scary stuff. I think I'd be more scared of the fact I was losing my mind in this way than I would be by those scary dreams themselves. It's significant that the person who snaps Volker out of this is in fact Scott. He's alive. Good news for James, but she doesn't know yet. Scott is also dreaming now. He sees his son, Matthew, walking around the ship. Young and Rush go to confront Camille about her actions in the gate room. They know nothing about it, and she denies ever being there. But Greer is not present. So, is this the real world now? It's kind of hard to tell what's real and what isn't in this episode. Which I think is kind of deliberate. It's making us feel exactly what the characters are feeling. Another crew member believes there is a snake under his skin causing him to freak out. Of course, TJ can't find anything. Greer's suspicion of Camille makes sense. She led the civilian uprising against the military. Rush seems much better able to accept the dreams as false and push them aside, given his highly rational mind. He thinks Greer is spying on him, but evidence suggests otherwise. Okay, he thinks, I must have imagined it, because it cannot be, and he moves on with his life. Young finds James in her quarters, sitting on her bed in tears. I'm so sorry, she says. Of course, Young can't see the corpse that she can see. Scott finds his son. He knows it can't be real. There is no way Matthew can be on board the ship. And so, he is able to rationalise it in much the same way that Rush does. The trouble with James's vision is that it's more realistic. I don't mean that she'd really kill Scott, but her dream doesn't involve any people that can't be on board, or situations that are impossible. Unless you think that uh, Scott and James sleeping together again is impossible. She is so relieved to see Scott alive when he walks in. Have you ever had a nightmare where you think someone you love has died, or your spouse has left you, or you've made a terrible mistake, and then you wake up and realise it was just a dream? Have you ever felt that huge sigh of relief? I have. It's powerful. But she's still freaked out, because this means she's been hallucinating, which, as I said before, would be really scary. I'm jumping all over the place in my analysis today because that's exactly what the episode does. Lots of quick chops and changes, which adds to the feeling of disorientation. It's quite effective. Now that people are starting to talk, they're aware that many of them are seeing things. That's good. At least now they can start to deal with it. They talk about several crew members who were on the last away mission to a planet. There's a strong link between those on the away team and those having hallucinations. So I guess this means they've actually arrived in the next galaxy? I was all set to talk about how doing a shipbound character episode made a lot of sense right now because they're still travelling through the void between galaxies. They can't visit any planets, so this is the perfect story to tell, and show that travelling between galaxies takes a while. I'm pretty disappointed that's not what they did. I mean, I'm not saying it's invalid to skip over the rest of the trip and pick up the story on the other side, but I think it was a missed opportunity. Babylon 5 used to allow for travel time. 
you'd see people leave the station, and then several episodes later they'd arrive at their destination. It added a big sense of believability to the show. I think it would have been great to do something like that here. Do a little character-driven story while they are in transit, and then next week have them arrive in the new galaxy at the beginning. And have a little fanfare about it. A brand new galaxy to explore. At least one of those people must be able to get a little wide-eyed about that, surely. Anyway, that's just my little rant. So, they're in the next galaxy now, and they've already begun to visit one of the planets off-screen. There's a problem with their theory, though. One of the people on the last away team, Barnes, has not had a single hallucination. Maybe she's naturally immune. But that's when TJ finds little creatures, like ticks, attached to the back of the heads of all of them except Barnes. That's our connection! These ticks are the first native inhabitants of this galaxy we've met. The prospect of having the tick removed produces mixed emotions for Scott. He doesn't want to see things that aren't there. But at the same time, this is the only way he can see and interact with his son. And he knows it's not real. But still. Unfortunately, the removal failed. The tick has dug in even deeper. Greer is still seeing Camille sneaking around the ship. Was he on the away team? It's nice to see the consequences of the uprising still hanging around over our characters. As well it should. Trust was broken during that incident. No matter how hard both sides have been working to put it behind them, the wounds are still there. Honestly, Greer is probably wise to be keeping an eye on Camille and Rush. But in his current state, his natural caution is descending into paranoia. The difference is, he has no proof. Not even any real evidence, just a feeling that is overpowering him. And surprise, Chloe is seeing her father in the cockpit of the shuttle where he died. The effects of these ticks seem to be spreading. Or maybe it's not the ticks at all. It's a difficult emotional moment for her. In the end, she allows herself to fall into his arms, because real or not, this is the only way she'll ever be able to embrace her dad. The plot of this episode allows the characters to deal with some of the things from their past. In Chloe's case, it's helping her to find some closure by talking to her father about her feelings. TJ is going to try to anaesthetise the tick using the venom from the Time Planet. But she can't find it. The tick, that is, not the venom. Or the planet. <laughs> Could it be that the tick has transferred from Scott to Chloe? Eli is pretty worried about Chloe when he finds her talking to her imaginary father. When he learns what's going on, he's understandably keen to get her to the medical bay. But Chloe doesn't want to go. She doesn't want her father to leave. Not yet. She knows this is an alien parasite. She knows it's injecting a toxin into her. But this is a chance for her to see her father, hear his voice, be encouraged by him. She doesn't want to give that up. And I can understand that too. She begs Eli to give her some more time. Keep it a secret, just a little while, 
so she can have a bit more time with her dad. Now Rush is being affected. It's interesting that some people experience pleasant hallucinations, while others have a truly nightmarish experience, like Rush, who thinks he's drowning. Pretty terrifying. And then he sees one of the blue aliens, the stuff of his real-life nightmares. The venom works. TJ is able to remove the tick from James, and she realises that Chloe was in the med bay earlier and might be affected. Scott goes off to find her. When Scott finds her and she lies to him about seeing her father, Eli is faced with a difficult decision. Lie on her behalf, like she asked him to, or tell Scott the truth so she can get help. You can see the conflict on his face. Ultimately, I think he did the right thing by telling Scott. They don't know what long-term effect this toxin has on people. It could be dangerous to let this go on too long. She gets to say one last goodbye, but ultimately, she has to lose him all over again. But as they drag her screaming from the observation room, her father begs her not to leave him. The tick doesn't want to let go of her. As the hallucinations get more and more worrisome, Rush is finding it harder to dismiss them. He's got caught up in it all. And now Greer is seeing the aliens too. Young tries to talk him down, but in the hallucination, Young's voice says something very different. So now he's running around the ship believing he's been given permission to use deadly force. That could be a problem if he sees his crewmates as aliens. Even worse, he thinks Rush is now working with the aliens. And Rush is seeing Greer as an alien. TJ theorises that the away team brought back more than one tick, which explains how Greer and Rush are affected. The people in the medical bay are also making theories. The ticks target the limbic system, which is linked to human emotions. It draws out Scott's guilt over not being there for his son, Chloe's grief over her father, Volker's claustrophobia, a fear of snakes. Things get really awkward when they look at James and say, and you? So deep down, does James want to hurt Scott for the way he played with her heart and then abandoned her? I mean, I can imagine that she might fantasize about being with him again. Has she fantasized about killing him? Maybe. There are times when we really don't want our innermost thoughts and feelings to be exposed to those around us. Camille is wounded and losing blood. Greer has been pretty rough with her because he believes she's taking over the ship, in league with Rush and the aliens. And another little callback, Greer sees his father telling him to shoot Camille. Scott tries using C4 on the door that Greer has locked. I always get very nervous when people use explosives on board a spaceship in stories. It's never a good idea. You know, you've got that whole atmosphere thing and, you know, vacuum outside the ship. <laughs> Scott is able to defuse the situation before anyone gets hurt. But those who experience the hallucinations are all facing the uncomfortable aftereffects of their experiences. Perhaps this stuff wasn't so healing after all. At the end of the episode, they encounter a new planet. Everyone seems a little hesitant to send a team. After what happened last time. Young is feeling it too, but he pushes past that. Our luck's got to change at some point, right? He says. 
So just three episodes left. Next time, we'll be talking about Subversion. That will lead us directly into the two-part season finale, Incursion. It's really a a three-part finale, I guess. We've got a big new plot arc that's about to take off next time. You won't want to miss these next few episodes. I'm really looking forward to them. Please consider leaving a review for this show, wherever you listen to it, because that really helps to spread the word. Thanks again for listening to Nerd Heaven. Have a great two weeks. Live long and prosper. Make it so.